I just can't believe this. It's the 44th episode of Low Profile. This is the season four finale. And I really couldn't be more excited because today I'm presenting to you my conversation with one of my all-time favorite musicians, the incomparable Sean O'Hagan. Sean's first major band was the Irish 1980s pop group Micro Disney. After that group disbanded, he started recording with his next project, the High Llamas, who released some of the most beautiful pop music of the last 30 years. Here's a song called The Hot Revivalist from their 1996 album, Hawaii. They So recently, Sean's dropped the High Llamas moniker in favor of using his own name. The latest Sean O'Hagan album is called Radom Calls, Radom Calls. And yes, there is an echo in here. So Sean and I spoke about the stylistic transitions between his projects, his joining the band Stereo Lab, working with artists like Bonnie Prince Billy, how he became one of today's most in-demand arrangers, his recent bout with cancer, and his love of soul music. After the interview, he shares an exclusive recording he and his daughter Livy made specifically for this episode, and then I share my gratitude for all the terrific people who contributed to this amazing season. Sean spoke to me from his home in England earlier this year. I'm at home in uh, South London, in, in Peckham, in South London. Um, 
in a small studio space where I sort of make stuff. And um, yeah, and and you're in. I'm in Olympia, Washington. Wow. So are you surrounded by a lot of big trees and? You know, beyond the trees, you can see a little bit of mountain. Yeah, we got Mount Rainier off in the distance and the Puget Sound coming in a couple miles away from here. Oh, my God. It's a lovely little ecosystem. Oh, that's just fantastic. Just fantastic. It really is. You should come visit sometime. But, Sean, today I'm here to talk to you about your fantastic body of work for... About 30 years you recorded under the name The High Llamas, and now you're back to using your given name, Sean O'Hagan. Yeah. And that's with the album Radom Calls, Radom Calls. Yeah. And I love the album, by the way. It kind of picks up where The High Llamas left off, uh, takes it in a little more dancey direction, I guess. Mm-hmm. To shut, tell all the spooks I hate their guts. The holy war I said in train will still obtain your kids, so pale and short. See, they will live in shopping carts, which you can wheel from place to place. But they won't hate Where could you be? Why can't we go? I lost you in the It's more informed by modern music. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right there. Out of curiosity, why the echo in the album title? Um, Raven Calls, Raven Calls. Because I had this song and I didn't have a lyric and all I had was Raven Calls, Raven Calls and the end with it, uh, I was going to go Raven Calls, Raven Calls, but don't call me. So it was always Raven Calls, Raven Calls. It were, And, you know, those sort of things are really nice nice to do because you can do them it's it's a little bit like you know you you, you buy a, a nice vase and you bring it home and you put it on this nice stand or a bureau and then you say i wonder what it looks like upside down so you put it upside down and you go okay so you know you can you do because you can so i understand your daughter livy has been sharing a lot of new music with you yeah and you think that informed what we're hearing on this latest record? Yeah, um, I have to. I'd have to say yes to that. Yeah, because well, first of all, I've never shied away from listening to a wide range of music, uh, I've, and also I'm, I'm I'm aware that this generation of young musicians uh, from the late teens to their thirties, I think, are making some of the best music that we've um, that's that's been put out in in a while um there are some really extraordinary artists um especially in the u.s uh i'm talking about people like solange um and uh oh yeah you know solange is extraordinary she's just wonderful and these these are these are people who aren't completely left field you know they're in the mainstream but they're just making 
beautiful music. Um, um, the uh, Chicago's coming up with some really, there's a wonderful artist called No Name and another artist called Saber, S-A-B-A, from a thing called Pivot Gang. And you've got in L.A., you've got a woman called Kadja Bonet. She's she's fantastic. She's quite psychedelic, but she comes from hip hop and it's but it's pretty psychedelic. Um, and these are all really wonderful. They, 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 these 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 kids are imaginative. They're uh, politically aware, politically active. They're 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 just they're just basically really turning around to the world that we our world, old people's world, and just saying. Yeah, we can do this, and they're also saying they're also saying it can be better, um, and I, 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 you know, that's just really lovely, I think. And you can't not be influenced by that. You can't just basically carry on with this. We've been doing it for years. Um, we know what all the influences are, and we, you know, we've read the rule book, and we've listened to all the soundtracks, and we've listened to all the great jazz, and we've and we we've listened to all the great twentieth century um, contemporary classical. You know, we know Schoenberg, we know Webern, but we know Steve Reich, and we know Ferro Saunders, whatever. You can't just carry on just saying we know. You've got to actually can maybe say maybe there are other people who know even more and 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 when you do that you really find music you find so much music and there is a danger i think for our generation to kind of just listen and say it's not nothing's as good as as as, as what, what our lot did or what came before you know it's, there's a there's a danger there's a danger of doing that and so it's really nice and these these kids listen to music from before i mean these kids listen to amazing music and they're listening to you know i'm i'm playing uh, you know i'm i might be playing odyssey one day or i might be playing um basil Kirshen the next day and these kids they're they they're just up and they're bright and they're going wow what the hell is that you know so you know great hope we we feel as though we wrote the rule book and so we don't need to we don't need to sort of uh, learn and uh, well basically that's what I was saying the danger would be because we think we 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 kind of we're the we we wrote a rule book or that we're we're um we're an influential generation that we don't we can't and won't learn so um yeah that's that's really I'm 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 very open and I can't just walk away from this music yeah yeah absolutely even using using um tuning on your vocal I mean there's a you know it would be decried by our generation oh my god it's awful and whatever I was surprised to hear some of that on this record oh man I love it I love it because I tell you who turned me on to it in a big way was um um oh what's his name Mark uh is it Mark Cohen who was in um a, a band called um uh Deerhoof Oh Chris Cohen I know that guy Chris Cohen yeah Chris Cohen Our band's did a little tour of Europe together once He made a beautiful record which was just like a beautiful songs record and it was a guitar very interesting songs and and i listened and he had gentle tuning on all his voice and it was really and i thought that sounds beautiful 
And then, you know, I started listening to, you know, a lot of the young guys and, and it can work incredibly well, really productively, you know? Oh, absolutely. The other thing is, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really, if people would sort of, would say, oh, Sean O'Hagan, what's he about? You'd say, oh, well, he's the guy who, who loves the Beach Boys and, you know, he's the guy who kind of is in love with the whole kind of uh, sunshine pop thing and whatever. And, you know, yeah, of course that is a, but, but a big, massive big part of me is, uh, I, I'm a soul fan, huge soul fan. Curtis Mayfield, The Impression, Curtis Mayfield's first solo album, Maxine Brown, all of that is just, you know, dream music for me. And I just want to kind of um, reflect it a little bit in my final years in, in this business. Okay, Sean, you mentioned Maxine Brown, and you sent me an exclusive cover you did of her song, Oh No, Not My Baby. So I'm going to play that for the listener right now. When my friends told me you had someone new, I didn't believe a single word was true. I showed them all that I sort of new renaissance right now and it's really cool to see artists like yourself who've been around the block embracing the new forms i really enjoyed hearing it reflected on radom calls radom calls but i'd like to talk about how your music evolved to this point your first big project was the band micro disney which we could do a whole episode on because that was an entire decade for you yeah and it was hard for me to see the link between that band's sound and the very different approach you took with the High Llamas, but then I found a copy of your first Sean O'Hagan album, entitled High Llamas. Yeah. And it began making a little more sense to me. Okay. A doggy in a tracksuit A gold flash in the sun A sneer in the expression Sickos and the creeps Happens on my doorstep Happens down my street Saturday, I'll take you there I'll take you on a trip through your worst column A and a little column B played by a very stripped down rock band. Yeah. 
Maybe somewhere in between Steely Dan and Big Star, something like that. That's absolutely it. Yeah, absolutely spot on. And moving forward, that album title became your band name. Yeah. And that stripped down sound carried on into the first High Llamas album, Santa Barbara. Yeah. But then on the follow-up, Gideon Gay, we start to hear the string section take a more prominent role. I was hoping you could tell me how you found yourself becoming a string arranger and also who some of your favorite arrangers are. Okay. Well, I got to become a string arranger because I, uh, I mean, you really, you really, you've got so much insight there. Um, so when I made my first solo album, I was very, I was obsessed with, with, with Alex Chilton, to be quite honest, but my songwriting style had always been, kind of leaning on you know Donald Fagan and 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 so you're absolutely right sort of try try to roll the two together um but that was an exercise and then after that I the you know the kind of impressionistic kind of um buzz that I always got from music I just said well, I'm on my own now. I, I've got nobody. Micro Disney was was a duo. It was like Carl Cochran and myself. And then suddenly you're in your own. You said, "Well, I can just do what I want." And um, I, I really did. That's when I really went to my first love, which is obviously, you know, Pet Sounds, Smile, and and Brian Wilson, and just tried to understand what made that music special. If we talked about, you know, Brian Wilson and you know what what what, what the driving force in his music now it's 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 a conversation that's had over and over and people know i tell you what in 1990 nobody was talking about it nobody that's about the time he put out his rap song if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah nobody's talking about this but i kind of um wanted to kind of grab some of i really wanted to you know i realized that music is so important to me and the um but there was that. There were things weird, things like John Cale and Scott Walker and stuff like that. And that really, that all that small orchestral but dark and 
it's experimental but slightly orchestral music again in the early 90s was just nowhere and I just thought this no one's doing this I'm just going to do it because this is this is what I love and this is what it, you know it's always as Farrell says it's always best to swim upstream rather than downstream and um you know that's what I wanted to do and um got Marcus who was in the band with me um Marcus Holdaway he was a trained cellist and I sat with him and we I I learned to to arrange on the piano with with Marcus a long time ago because he was he was a trained cellist and that's where I learned and you know and we started on oh Santa Barbara with a little bit of strings on Santa Barbara and then Gideon Gay was where I kind of wanted to have that string sound that wasn't huge was kind of small you know we're talking about three violins one one viola one cello you know and um it's a small woody sound but you know it was it was again nobody was doing it and when no one's doing it you you can't go wrong because you it's almost like you're reinventing something and of course you're not you're just basically carrying on a tradition <laughs> okay it's strings they've been around for a long time and then the thing is i didn't just want to do most people would talk about George Martin and the Beatles or whatever. I was into people like David Whittaker and um, Wally Stott and Ivor Raymond. And um, and then, you know, obviously Nelson Riddle and Bernard Herrmann. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and of course, you know, Ravel and Foray, because, you know, man, Ravel is probably the, the greatest. That definitely comes across, yeah. 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 Were you listening to that stuff at a young age? No, I had no music in my childhood um, apart from radio. No, no, no. I came to all that when I was a, an adult. So I had no no idea about classical music no, or modern music, nothing. I didn't know. And I just thought everything was heavy and dark and everything sounded like Beethoven or, or twiddly like Haydn or um, predictable like... Mozart I didn't I didn't realize that there was this thing this thing called French impressionist music which was just the basis of jazz effectively and and when I kind of I just couldn't believe that there were guys wandering around Paris you know in in 1880 wearing strange clothes drinking aperitifs and making this music that could be made anytime you know that is just amazing yeah, I wanted to ask you about your fascination with American music and hadn't even taken the French music into consideration. Oh, yeah. But you jump across the pond a lot stylistically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and especially when we're even we're talking about string arranging, um, if you even if you do something like listen to, you know, Peggy Lee or Ray Charles... Uh, or you listen to George Jones and you listen to those really beautiful, slightly sweet, slightly out of tune strings that you'll get recorded in Memphis. I mean, Memphis, uh, Charlie Rich and um, Ray Charles would use the same string section. Or you get that really nice, very simple um, fifth, late 50s arrangement where you've just got eight strings playing unison behind the vocal you know it's a and just very and then a great big plate reverb on it 
fantastic, you know, or or and you might hear it on a doo-wop um, record. You might hear it on a, I don't know, you might hear it on a Dion record or something like that. You know, there's so you've got, you know, you don't just have the rich kind of string tradition. You've also got this beautiful 50s pop string tradition as well. also got things like on on Cancladas, very playful strings, you know, jumping around. It's almost like it's got Baroque, one bit of Baroque, and then there's pop and Baroque and, 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 you know, all sorts of stuff going on there. And maybe a little bit of, um, you know, experimenting going on there. And um, I've never, I have, I've not yet done big, big, big strings. I've, I haven't had the money or the inclination or the knowledge to do that. Um, I'm very much, you know, a chain, chamber and quartets and chamber, chamber music. That's 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 what I can handle. Yeah, like a living room full of people. It's a lush but intimate sound for sure. Absolutely. And people have been reaching out to you for decades now to give their music the Sean O'Hagan treatment. Sandre Lerke, Paul Weller. Yeah, I did uh, a band in Norway called Hockney, and I did Chris Cummings. I did Sandre um, from Norway. I was working with Friars last year, and those strings are pretty wild. Um, I've done Elsa Suarez, the Brazilian singer from the 50s. Um, I've done a lot of Brazilian stuff. I've done um, Stefan uh, Juan. I did uh, Vanessa de Mata. She's a kind of a diva, over in, um, a Brazilian diva. Collaborations. You were also a member of Stereo Lab, one of my other favorite bands. Mm. That collaboration went both ways. Yeah, because you had members of Stereo Lab on some of the High Llamas albums, as well as your soundtrack work with their guitarist Tim Gain. Yeah, what's the story there? Okay, so there was a very good friend of mine called Brian O'Neill, and he was the um, press agent for Stereo Lab, and they needed a keyboard player. So he said, Sean, you would be perfect. Um, would you 
come along, meet the band. And, you know, I, I went down to a show and they said, can you join next week? And I, and I said, yeah, absolutely. And so that started. And then Tim and myself are very close. We were in, we were in touch with each other just last weekend. In fact, um, he's in Berlin and, um, we shared so much and I learned so much from him. I would say that Gideon Gay, the kind of looseness and the kind of, if you, you know, you were talking earlier, he said that it went from this kind of rock album to a Gideon Gay, which was very, very different. A lot of that had to do with hanging out with Tim and, 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 and him just saying, you can loosen up and just cut it up a bit. Literally cut the tracks up. Don't You don't have to have a song that starts and finishes. You can just cut them around. And so, yeah, I just became the arranger and the keyboard player and bits of bass player and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then, of course, we did, you know, lots of records together. Or we did Turn On together as well, of course. And um, that was great fun, Turn On. Right. Turn On is kind of a dance record, I guess. Hopefully it's going to be reissued on vinyl this year, which would be nice. And and I think Tim and myself might revisit that kind of... We might do something together uh, around that. We might produce something new. And you were on keys in the earlier, dronier days of Stereo Lab. Mm. I imagine the keyboard player has a pretty relaxing role in that scenario, where you can just hold down a chord for a long time... I mean, lots of gigs where I could I could literally hold the chord down, and get up and 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 take a walk and just you know while while I was uh, holding the chord down. But if you listen to Space Age Bachelor Pad music, that's where I went in the studio, and that you know you I think you can possibly hear that on the record. That's when I went first went to the studio with them. Oh, that album's a very cherished part of our record collection here at home. It's, it's so funny because you know you talk about all of these moments like the Stereo Lab moment and 
you know, how you got to Gideon Gay from Micro Disney. And, but one of the things, obviously, recently, you know, things have changed. I mean, oh man, it's been a very strange year and uh, last year I was like, I thought it was down and out because I, I had cancer last year. I, I was like, just didn't know what was going to go on and trying to actually hold things together and trying to, you know, am I going to write again? Am I going to do anything? But, um, you know, the having a nylon string guitar at home and, and a melodica and um, maybe being able to go out on stage and just represent whatever it is you do musically, whatever it is that's inside you, you know, those chords. And, you know, it's expensive to, there's no money around, it's expensive to play, but being able to get into a room with a nylon string guitar, a piano and a melodica, and maybe two other people who want to join you and sing, and, and trying to actually just give that music out, just, it's joyful. That's, 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 that's all, that's all I want. That's what I want, you know, that'll do me. Man, that must have been terrifying. Are you doing better these days? I'm doing very well. I've been through my chemo and I'm stronger and stronger. And I want to kind of one day be able to get on the plane again and fly out to Washington State and, you know, go into a small bar and just sing the songs, you know, and <laughs> have a borrow a piano from somebody somebody can turn up with a piano i'll have my nylon string and just sit sit and sing and and talk and maybe have two people in the audience who've got good voices who don't mind actually improvising with a on a microphone with you that's that's what i i swear i, I do that i i've gone to france and i've done stuff like done it like that while we're still on the topic of your music in the 20th century Back in those days, a lot of music journalists said the High Llamas owed a lot to a certain iconic American band. And I was just wondering if you could talk about your love of the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, they, they basically made cartoon, cartoon music um, cool again and, and cartoon existence cool again. The same could be said for the Beach Boys as well, right? Yeah. Their album, Love You. Yeah. Oh, man. Beach Boys Love You. The most... I mean, what the hell was going on during that record? Incomplete songs and personality clashes between Mike Love and Brian Wilson. And Brian clearly uh, too ill to really participate Right. There's personality clashes between Brian Wilson and Brian Wilson at play there too, probably. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um unbelievable. What what a strange, strange record and really beautifully loose piano playing. Yes. I love it. You know, just the you, they were they were just so un they they weren't together. They their management didn't understand them. They didn't understand the world. Because the world was basically, you know, freaking out, and you know, you know, Hendrix had come along, and Cream had come along, and you know, you know, the Brits were pushing out heavy metal and all that stuff, and they were trying to understand. They were going, "We're we're good with this. We could be. We can do this. We can be as cool as this." And of course, you know, they they, they but the, yeah, it, it's so funny because as much as they wanted to, they couldn't help but write these beautiful little songs and even though they wanted to write kind of you know they wanted to write progressive 
crazy possessive songs. I I I love I love them. I also kind of fear them. Um, I've I don't I'm, I can't really I won't speak about it a lot, but I did spend some time with them. Wait, when you say spent some time with the Beach Boys, like you played with them? I was on I was on tour with them in the uh, mid nineties for a very short little short stint, and I was sent on missions by by Richard Branson to um, California, to Chicago to tried to convince Brian Wilson to rejoin the band and make a record. Yeah. I write the record. And I met Carl Wilson, um, Al Jardine, Carl Wilson. I spent a lot of very happy moments with them. And um, yeah, it was, I had some nice time with Brian, but you know, it's just, and I met him in London when he came to London, his wife called me up and said, come down and say hello. And so I did. And it was, uh, He's, you know, I, 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 my wish for Brian is to live, live a peaceful life and, um, you know, just live, live, live his life in California and enjoy, enjoy his family. That's what I think he should do. bit of the song get into the galley shop from the high llamas 2000 album buzzle bee it's a fantastic album with lush psychedelic production yeah and shortly thereafter we got the album beat maize and corn where you abandoned all those electronic sounds and yeah i went i went, wanted to make this record that was like woody and 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 autumn and um and I was listening a lot to stuff like Benjamin Britten. of me. 
We just heard a bit of Leaf and Lime from the High Llama's 2003 record, Beat, Maze, and Corn. Sean Woody is a very nice description of the sound you achieved on that record. I want to know what led you to embrace this direction. Two reasons. One reason was I had to make it at home, and I, and I didn't want to go into the studio, so I had to create it at home. Um, number one. And number two, I, I just got tired other than, other, or not tired, but how many times do you want to keep sort of kind of I the jitter, I wanted to make a record that didn't have the jitters. I'd been making records that were just going cutting and jumping around, and I just wanted to make a record that didn't have the jitters and had some kind of sense of of austerity about it. And um, I I was listening to so much kind of. 20th century string music and I kind of wondered whether I could do that wonder whether I could make an austere record you know kind of dark pianos and slow moving harmonic uh, changes uh, group singing but kind of almost church group singing all of that it's just a record without jitters a record that's kind of an autumn record I just kind of was ready to do that. Callaway was one of my favourites from that record because, you know, the kind of the beginning of where, where the strings fade in with playing effectively a coda and then, and then the brass, kind of experimental brass sort of chimes in. One, one thing I was listening to around that time was Escalator in the Rain, a Carla Blay record, very... Uh, yeah, loose, loose experimental brass. So yeah, you have people like Ma- Mike Mantler and you know Robert Wyatt. They they all they they're all in there. They all play a part. Sean, is there anything in the works you'd like to talk about? 
I'm actually recording at the moment um, Will Oldham, Bonnie Prince Billy, you know, and um, he's sending me lyrics and I'm making, he's, it's, it's like glitchy, funny little soul music with his lyrics and he's going to sing it. Oh wow, that's pretty exciting. You've worked with Will Oldham a lot over the years, right? I have, yeah, yeah. Way back on the Palace stuff, and then the then the Caban collaboration where he was singing and I was doing the arrangements, and then the um, recently I did the uh, Billy Eilish tune with him and him and Bill Callahan and me sort of creating the track. Did you hear that or not? I did, but I didn't realize you were in on that. Oh, uh, the Billy Eilish tune. Uh, oh, yeah, I completely... I, I did the whole thing. <laughs> I did the whole track. Oh, baby, I don't feel so good. Six words you never understood. I'll never let you go. Five words you'll never say. Laugh along like nothing's wrong. Four days has never felt so long. If three's a crowd and two was us, one slipped away. And I just want to make you feel You never made it there I ate alone at seven You were six minutes away Livy, my daughter, singing the uh, chorus. I, th- I really enjoyed doing The Wild A Welcome when I did that last year with, with Livy. And I made this tune about, you know, all over the world, during lockdown, all over the world, where animals were wandering into cities. You must have seen so much of it up your way, but we had it in London. Oh, yeah, we had some of that around here. More deer and rabbits and raccoons on the streets. I'm glad you took the opportunity to make a song out of that moment.
it sounded like you were channeling Bootsy Collins. Absolutely. Or maybe even Sly Stone. You're, you're, you're so right on all of it. I love this thing of you've got the chorus sung really straight and beautifully, you know, and then you've got the main singer, it's the gospel and it's just fantastic you know it's just like sly stone i swear to god we 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 listen we sit and we we um uh you know i've got a guitar you know so yeah running running uh-huh. around to get away You know, you know that I just absolutely get that and 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 my daughter, we 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 just sing Sly Stone. We just sit in the kitchen and sing Sly Stone. You know. Man, I wish I could hear that. I could listen to that all day. Running away to get away. Ha 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 ha. You're wearing out your shoes. Thanks for coming on to Low Profile, Sean O'Hagan. It's been so nice talking to you. 
Thank you. This has been Low Profile. I'm Mark Lee Morrison, and you just heard my interview with the recording artist and arranger Sean O'Hagan of the High Llamas, Stereo Lab, and Micro Disney. So here we are at the end of a very ambitious and experimental fourth season. It's been such a pleasure to produce these episodes, and it wouldn't have ever been possible without the generable, generable, such generable contributions of so many people, including you. So here we are at the end of a very ambitious and experimental fourth season. It's been such a pleasure to produce these episodes, and it would not have been possible without the generous contributions of so many people, including you, the listener. So first of all, thanks to you for giving my hard work an audience. And then to the amazing lineup of guests this season. Sean O'Hagan, of course. OK Vancouver OK. Johnny Fritz. Gretchen Christopher of the Fleetwoods. Allison O'Donnell from Mellow Candle. Ed Wilcox. Mark Hosler. Worst Nightmare. Alice Stewart. Jeffrey Lewis. Brianna Morella. A big thanks and a we're not worthy to all of you. I'm also filled with gratitude for all the people who contributed to this past season, like all the correspondent hosts we had earlier this year. Also, as you may have noticed, this was the first time a season of the show had a look, and that's all because of the amazing portraits of each featured guest drawn for your visual pleasure by Taylor W. Rushing. He has an illustration business called Not Bad Illustrations. You should absolutely hire him for your next endeavor. You can find his previous work and lots of aesthetically delicious merchandise at taylorwrushing.com. Thanks also to my fam at San Francisco Street Bakery and the newly reopened Schwartz's Deli in Olympia, Washington for in-kind support from the very beginning. And finally... A big shout out to my Patreon supporters, Nick, Matt, Ruth, David, Miles, Andrew, Sean, Joe, Patrick, Matthew, Tim, Jason, Jack. It means so much to me that this work means so much to you. And anybody else who would like to chip in and help this show keep existing, you can visit patreon.com slash lowprofile. We're on Instagram at lowpropodcast, and all episodes of this show with expanded content and context can be found at lowprofilepodcast.com. If you have some catching up to do on previous episodes, get your headphones on now, because the next season is heading your way in October. There's no sign of slowing down here. We've already got more than half of season five recorded. 
Last, but most of all, thanks to my astonishing wife, Lonnie, for believing in this endeavor and our amazing children, Camille, Lulu, and Felix for being the best kids a papa could ever ask for. Until next time, as the late, great Tom T. Hall sang. May the force be with you always, sweetheart. That's all for now. Catch you in October.